0: So, hello everyone. I'm Sharon Feeler with ABC to CEO. And welcome to another one of our Preparing for the Possibility podcast. And today we have a very special guest. I'm excited to learn more about, and I think you will too. Her name is Leslie Gill, and Leslie comes to us with. Uh, an experience base that I think you're going to find fascinating and we get to hear about it in person from Leslie today. But just a a few things, I guess before joining Rung, you were um, CEO of Annie Malone's Children and Foster Service Center. And uh, you also served at one point as Executive Director of College Summit, where you had multi-state responsibilities for programs, fundraising, business operations. You had time with the Girl Scouts of St. Louis and Atlanta and did a lot of things as so far as advocacy and government affairs, strategic planning, program development, member recruiting, and of course, cookie sales. Yes. Um, so you're a native of St. Louis and you are a alum of Hampton University where you have a Bachelor of Arts in English. You also have a Master's in International Business from St. Louis U, quite impressive. And you're currently serving on a number of boards, the Board of St. Louis Art Fair, Public School Foundation, and Park Central Development. So, and now you are CEO of Rung which uh, is a very impressive thing for many people. Many women are thrilled to have you there. But we want to talk about you today. So thank you for your time, Leslie.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me. And I just really love the name of this podcast. So I'm super excited to talk about possibilities and preparation and all of it.
0: Well, that's why you are exactly the kind of guest uh, we love to have and young women love to hear about. So why don't you uh, tell me just a little bit about your current role and what you're doing and we'll kind of go from there.
1: Sure. So I am currently leading an organization here in St. Louis called Grung for Women, and we're really a startup. So we opened our doors in August of 2020. I started as president in November of 2017, when literally all we had was an idea. So I was our first employee. Our founder had this amazing vision. And, you know, we worked together for several years with other stakeholders to really bring her vision to life. And so, you know, I like to say that I am sort of the chief unicorn because it's such a special place. It's such a unique opportunity for the region and a space for women to come and really move up the rungs of the economic opportunity ladder. We're really excited around the work that we've done just in our first almost two years working with over 300 women to really achieve their personal and professional goals to move into new careers, careers where women are traditionally underrepresented, careers that um, don't necessarily require a bachelor's degree, but really focused on those middle skill opportunities that won't be obsolete or automated in in the next 10 to 15 years And where, you know, women can have great growth opportunities and great growth potential in in certain industries. And so I'm just really excited that I get a chance to do this work and have had lots of experiences that have led me to this particular point in time.
0: It seems like So the name Rung has intrigued me. So you said it's Moving up rungs of the ladder? Is that kind of where it came from? Yeah,
1: that's the metaphor, really. So we started as a resale clothing boutique.
0: You know, our founder sort
1: of had this idea that, you know, she wanted to provide clothes for any type of job that women might be interested in and to provide those opportunities, provide those items at a really cost-effective price point. And so it was resale. It was beautifully merchandised high-end items. And we did lots of special shopping events for women who were like living in crisis or who were maybe living in shelters. And one thing she learned is that women needed more than clothes. And so she sort of had this vision of like, can we create a space where women could come and really work on their personal and professional goals to really move up the rungs of the economic opportunity ladder, most importantly, to create a really a stronger middle class here in the region. And so that's what we're doing. And the ladder is really a metaphor for, you know, just continuing to climb. Oftentimes, we say that, you know, we're in a space where, you know, women can move from surviving to thriving. And, you know, we know that Oftentimes, women, especially on the heels of the pandemic, have been living and working in isolation, and so we create a community where like-minded women come together and really achieve their goals together.
0: Well, quite quite impressive. And so, what a wonderful organization for you to be uh, head of. But tell me a little bit about how you got there. You know, where did you begin your career and? And let's just talk a little bit about where you came from to get there today.
1: Sure. So, you know, Sharon, I always sort of uh, had this vision that I would be a sports agent. So from a little girl, I, you know, watched the Jerry Maguire's of the world and was like, I can be the first female Jerry Maguire. I was really interested in sports growing up and, you know, just thought I would make a career in sports. Thought I would be a lawyer. So I went to college and majored in English with the path to becoming a lawyer. And uh, honestly, it was right after my senior year of college, I had accepted a job with Tiffany & Company. So I'd already veered from the sports pathway and had a a job offer to go into the Tiffany & Company management training program. accepted the offer, was planning to move to New York City and, you know, was starting this career with a high-end jewelry retailer. But I had the summer off. So the summer between, you know, starting my new career pathway and finishing college, I went to Washington, D.C. So I said, oh, you know, I'll go hang out in D.C. for the summer and then, you know, get ready to move to Manhattan And I got involved in a political campaign. And at that time, it was the mayor of Washington, D.C. It was the mayor's race. And I was fundraising with the candidate. I had no idea what I was doing. I just was like, oh, well, it's something to do for the summer. I thought I would just go, you know, hang out with friends and have a good time. But I got involved in this political campaign And we got through the general election. And I remember the candidate at the time saying, you know, I said, okay, well, we've we've won the general election. I'm now going to go move to New York and start my job. And he said, well, wait, you can't leave yet. We had gotten through the primary. We started to get through the general. He's like, well, we still got to get through the general election. I'm like, oh, no, got to go to Tiffany's. I have this dream job, you know. And so he said, look, I'll make a deal with you. If you stay and we win, I'll guarantee you a job. If you stay and we lose, I'll pay your rent in New York for six months. What a deal. I know. I said, well, wow, those are good and good options, right? Good and good. No bad option here. The only challenge was Tiffany's would not extend my start date. So I was forced to, like, make my first adult decision. Do I stay or do I go? And so I decided to stay. We won the election. I spent the first 10 years of my career working in Washington, D.C. and local government, which is really, you know, because D.C. is not a state, it's like state government, but also in the capital city of the world, right? Right. Amazing experience. So glad I did it. I got to learn a little bit about everything. I got to meet, you know, tons of world leaders. And it was just such an amazing experience. It really helped me sort of look at the world in a different perspective. I like to say, you know, it sort of ignited my interest in public service, not necessarily politics, But this whole notion around public service, and it really sort of forced me to think about, like, can I make a career as a leader in this public service space without going into politics?
0: What an amazing opportunity. And, And too bad for Tiffany's. Who knows where they would be today if this wouldn't have happened?
1: I know. I know. You know, Sharon, it's just...
0: Things work out the way they're supposed to, you know? A lot of times you just, you have to, the path you choose, take it, run with it, and, you know, do the most you can with it. And it sounds like you're a perfect example of that. Very interesting history you've got to get you to this point. But, but why don't we also talk about women in general? You've probably worked a lot with women at this point. And what do you see when you're working with women that you could give suggestions at this point to young women as far as importance of what they're doing, how they might look at themselves a little differently? Are there behaviors you've seen that you think do more of this? Maybe you can talk a little bit about women and what you've observed, young women.
1: Sure. So, you know, I often hear women, young women talk a lot about imposter syndrome. It's a, you know, an area of our work that we spend a lot of time around building confidence, helping women uh, overcome this notion that they don't belong or that they're not, deserving of opportunities. And so, you know, this notion of imposter syndrome, especially in certain industries, male-dominated industries, which, you know, is most of the industries that we're working in today, we spend a lot of time helping them overcome that. Being prepared, you know, preparation is always key. And trusting yourself, building those muscles around resilience and confidence and knowing that you deserve to be where you are are all the things that, you know, I I witness in the workforce, but, you know, also in in the organization and the women that we work with, that is the, the single largest barrier for women in success is just feeling like they don't deserve to be where they are.
0: Yeah. One of the things we we kind of like to really focus on is confidence. Yes. Uh, too often we see women of young women. They were so talented, but not believing in themselves yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that we believe is very important to moving forward. And yeah, if you look at yourself, like, did you think about yourself as being a CEO someday?
1: You know, I never really imagined anything other than being in a leadership role. I, you know, had some great opportunities and access to opportunities fresh out of college that really, honestly, Sharon, propelled my career in ways that I could have never imagined. So, you know, once I left D.C. government and working for the mayor, I went right into a C-suite role. I was a chief operating officer for Girl Scouts. You know, I just always sort of had a knack for people and building relationships. I think, you know, so often, you know, women in general just minimize the importance of maintaining good relationships, fostering good relationships. You know, even in, you know, fundraising as a fundraiser, you know, it's always, the men who are able to raise, you know, historically raise dollars because they just believe in and cultivating relationships. And so for me, that's an area of sort of my like personal profile that I really focused on building those relationships, spending time at it, making sure that I stay connected to people and I also connected people. Right. So I connected, but then I also never missed an opportunity to make introductions and to connect other people. So I think that's for me how like mentorship and sponsorship really shows up is, you know, if I hear of a staff person or someone sort of early in their career that is, you know, looking to sort of leverage those relationships or build relationships, I will be the first. To say, okay, well, do you know this person or do you know that person? And can I connect you? And I I think that just has allowed me to sort of stay top of mind for a lot of people, right? So my team always jokes, you know everyone. And I'm like, well, I might not know them well, but I certainly make it a point to to connect people and to, to
0: sort of stay on their radar. I would have to say oftentimes when we meet people and then time passes, we don't always see them on a regular basis. It is important, though, to keep up with people who you've met because you never know when your careers will again cross. And maybe not even careers. Maybe it's something to do with just life in general. But maintaining relationship takes work and takes effort. But the payoff is so important. But let's also talk a little bit about, you enjoy being a CEO, I can tell. I do. Uh, some women look at this role and have said to us, uh, I I just don't know if I want to do this because it, it looks difficult and, and I don't know if I would enjoy it. Tell us a little bit about why you enjoy it.
1: You know, I enjoy people, I enjoy motivating people, and I, I really think While, you know, the the CEO seat can be really lonely at times, it can also be incredibly rewarding, especially in a space like mine, where, you know, I get the great fortune of leading an organization that helps women, right? Um, We're not focused on making widgets or the bottom line, but our bottom line is the success of other people. And, you know, that that work is really rewarding for me. It's also uh, really rewarding to see our people grow. I love to see our team, you know, accomplish their goals. I love to see a team member uh, decide, you know what, that they want something more for themselves and they want to you know, figure out how they move up their own ladder. And so I think, you know, the CEO role is like the cheerleader. And I think what's made me really successful is being accessible, right? And and really fostering uh, that relationship with my team, building trust is so important, because oftentimes you hear, well, I've never talked to the CEO of you know, you name it, company, right? And I just decided early in my career that I didn't want to be a CEO who was inaccessible. Right. You know, I wanted I wanted to be someone who uh, thrived in an environment where I, you know, could motivate and talk to our team on a very regular basis.
0: I love the i those both of those concepts of of if you're going to follow somebody, you've got to trust them. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to follow somebody who's your leader, you want to have access to them to be able to talk and make yourself available. So you have a daughter. I um, so tell us a little bit about how you use your own experience to encourage her to maybe be a leader someday.
1: You know, I just, I model the behavior in every interaction. She comes and sees me in action at work. I really look for every opportunity to, to allow that to happen. She participates in events where I'm speaking or being receiving an award or being on a panel. You know, I just think access and exposure is so important. You know, the adage, like, you can only be what you see is especially important for girls and young women. And it is behavior that I model, it's behavior that I really encourage. You know, we we often have children in our building and and watching what we do all the time. And so, you know, I just think that's really important. That exposure is important. Exposure is also a big piece of our work because we're encouraging our participants, our members, to go into environments where, There will be, you know, likely be people that don't look like them, and they may or may not know what the day-to-day entails for certain jobs or or industries, and so being able to to spend time and shadow and see what industry is like um, is also really important, and that's exactly what I do for my daughter. Like, I want her to see it all. She may or may not choose to be a CEO, but it's not because she doesn't know what it takes.
0: <laughs> you brought up something that I think is so important. When women have other women as role models, it mm-hmm. makes a difference. I mean, we we all know there, there are wonderful male role models out there. That's not to take anything from male role models. Mm-hmm. But when women see other women, it makes it a lot more personal. It's like I can... Yeah. And
1: achievable. Right. You know, it's if you see someone sitting in the seat that looks like you, you're inspired by that. And I mean, and I that's what I want to do. You know, I have a team of ninety nine percent of our team are women. And, you know, I really try to lead by example and um, provide growth opportunities for our team, exposure opportunities for our team. And, uh, you know, ways for them to talk to me. There's one thing that I do every year is I sit down with each, each of our team members every January and just have coffee. Our entire team. So my calendar for January is already booked. I bring the coffee, the tea, whatever their Starbucks preference is. I bring the beverages and we just talk. And, you know, so often... You know, that those types of opportunities are not available. Uh, That type of access is not
0: available for for our Well, another question I have for you, if you if you're sitting in front of a group of, let's say, high school women, what would be the couple pieces of advice you would give them before they start college?
1: I would say my first bit of advice would be don't stress about a major. You know, I'm a perfect example, right? I thought I was going to law school. And, you know, unless you're like via, like if you want to be a doctor, I think certainly like the medical path is one that you have to commit to. But if you're really unsure, I encourage high schoolers and, you know, early college students, like try it all right? Because you never know, like, where you're going to have the most compelling and enriching experience. So try it all is really, you know, my advice. Don't get so hung up on, I have to choose a major and I have to chart my path because, you know, I have four years to do it and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, that, that's something I learned early on. Like, you really don't know what you don't know. So unless you try things, you don't know if you'll like it.
0: That's a very good point. So,
1: yeah, the other thing I would add, Sharon, is I encourage, and I still do this to this day, is have your own personal board of directors. So those people who are going to hold you accountable to your goals. My board of director changes depending on what my goals are for the year, but I always seek out people who can help hold me accountable, not family members, not friends, people who don't know me that well, but, you know, maybe I decide, you know what, Sharon would be a good member of my board of directors for this year because she has a skill set that I'm interested in growing in. I would call you, Sharon, and say, hey, Sharon, this is my goal for the year. Will you hold me accountable? And so um,
0: I would be honored to do that. (laughs) I I love that idea to have your own personal board of directors. What a clever thought.
1: Yeah, I, I have done it for many, many years, and it's just a way of like checking in with yourself? I mean, because so often, especially as women, we uh, get derailed by everyone else's burdens and everyone else's projects and everyone else's thing. And, you know, sometimes you just need a little nudge to keep you on track for your goals and your own personal and professional development.
0: Well, it has... Definitely work for you. You are quite impressive. You are a role model to many, many, anybody who knows you and anybody who's going to know you in the future. And hopefully, this Preparing for the Possibility podcast can. give you another audience and, and people fortunate enough to hear your words. So anything else you wanted to add?
1: Like I said, when we opened, I just really enjoy, uh, I, I love the title, uh, Preparing for the Possibilities, because I think, you know, there we don't spend enough time doing that. And so hopefully this discussion will encourage uh, young women and women across the country to really stop and, and think about what preparation looks like.
0: Very good. So here we've had words of wisdom from Leslie Gill. Thank you so much for joining us today and to our audience. Thank you for being with us. And I hope you found this as fascinating as I did.